Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see changed lives, and we hope this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy the message. Well, hi, my name is Mark. I am one of the pastors here. It's great to be with you this morning. I want to welcome everyone joining online. We're glad you're with us too. Don't be a stranger online. By the way, we have chat hosts who would love to interact with you, engage. So let them know you're there. Share your name. If there's anything you can be praying for, they would love to pray with you too. We are in the second week of this series called uh, This Is My Store. Before I dive into that, just a real quick update on Uh, our Here and There initiative. Um, Exciting times. We are expanding here and we are going there. What's that mean? Well, we are adding on another 8,220, if you're into specifics, a little over 8,000 square feet right next to us. So we're going to be leasing that space. We are in the process of demo and we're almost done with that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All those who have helped. In fact, I think they're going to try to get a crew on Monday night and Tuesday night this week to wrap some stuff up. So if you're available, put demo on that connection card, Jessica reference and throw it in the, in the joy box. Uh, but then once the, the um, drawings are done, which will be sometime this month, then permits and all that stuff. And so hope, then we'll move from actually taking things out to putting them in, which excites me, uh, and getting it ready. That's going to be for all kids. That's going to be uh, four rooms for preschool and then a huge elementary space, our current uh, kids area. Uh, well, the elementary space will knock the wall out in here and expand back for adult seating. Uh, but the current kids area, those rooms will be for nursery. And then one of those spaces is going to be designated as a sensory room. And that's going to be for uh, children with special needs. That's, that's a huge thing on our heart uh, to have a place where that would work uh, or be a place where those kids would have a great environment, a great setting, and their families too. The second phase, yeah, it's a big yay, God, uh, on that. And so be praying for those families and just be, and pray for a leader. We're, we're, we are praying for a, a someone, who, a, a, probably a volunteer, but a leader who um, is passionate about that. So if that's you <laughs> or someone you know, um, let us know. That's a big prayer of ours. Uh, the other thing is we're going to expand uh, in here, as I said, and then uh, add some more technology. So that's kind of phase two of it. And then the there aspect is we are going there and we're going to launch another location out of the valley. Troy, uh, that's probably two years or so from now. And I don't even, I feel like I'm picking up a lot of static. I could just be the brains in my head or the noises in my head. But <laughs> I said brain in my head, but well, that's debatable. Um, so, uh, and, and I don't know where that is. Be praying for the clarity on all that. But uh, you should, you'll receive a, a thing in the mail if you haven't already about some vision meetings that will be happening in September. And we'll be talking about it a lot as the days go on. Well, it is week two of our series called This Is My Story. So I need some participation here to get us started. Uh, so just by a show of hands, raise your hand if you are a Buckeyes fan. Okay, hands down, raise your hand. You can't boo in church this. Raise your hand if you're a Michigan fan. Okay, a few of you are proud. Okay, raise your hand if you're a Penn State fan. Okay, all right, I got a few of you back there. Okay, Uh, raise your hand if your favorite color is red. Raise your hand if your favorite color is purple. Raise your hand if your favorite season is fall. Ah, I got a lot of friends out there. Raise your hand if your favorite season is spring. All right, we're going to end this game. But here's what I discovered by just doing a little participation there. Two things, actually. One is that we need a lot more Penn State fans at this church. Okay, so we'll work on that. Uh, The second is this. 
We are very different. I asked eight or nine questions, and I made a decent, I think, discovery that we are very different. In fact, just different colors, different allegiances to teams, et cetera, et cetera. And I look, I could have done that for an hour, right? And hands up and down and all that. That's just the reality. But did you know, there is actually something that is the same about us. The thing that's the same about us is each of us, as different as we are, each of us has a story. Now, I understand our stories are different, but the reality is every single person in this room, every single person joining us online has a story. In fact, I remind the staff of this often in the key volunteers and leaders, every person who joins us online, every person who walks through the door on Sunday morning is bringing in a story. And I don't know where your story is right now. Your story could be a story right now of incredible joy, of incredible, uh, just, it's a high. It's a, it's a great time of life. Some of you today, your story is a story of pain. It's a story of grief. It's a, a story of suffering. Some of you have stories that include decades of following Jesus. Some of you have stories that you've kind of just met Jesus recently and you've started that journey. Others of you joining today have heard about Jesus, but someone made an invitation today and you're here, but you're not sure where he fits into that. Last week, Jessica, our online pastor, Jessica Myers, kicked off and did a wonderful job of this series of This Is My Story. And so each week of this series, a different communicator is going to be sharing his or her story. Now, the challenge, I think, always is when you're preaching and you're sharing your story is, how do you make your story matter to anyone else? Because you may, may not like me. I don't know. We'll see in 30 minutes, okay? But you're like, Mark, you seem like a decent, likable guy, but then you're going to share some of your story, but now I'll act like I care, but, you know, I don't know. I got my own stuff. And so the key with this is, and the way I designed it is, how does my story intercede with yours? So I came up with a unique way of doing it. I told first service today, if it flops, I got 20 minutes to change it, and I'll figure it out. I think it went okay. Uh, and I'm going to walk you through my story. I'm going to walk you through in a unique way, but at each step of the journey, the seven or eight parts of my story that I'm going to tell, I'm going to keep coming back to the question, could this be part of your story? How does it fit into your story. You see, the way I'm going to tell the story goes to the fact that I don't believe in a religion. I believe in a relationship. And if there's a relationship, that means that God is active. That means he's alive. And that means he speaks. In fact, I believe that God is always speaking, and him speaking to us is one of the biggest ways that we discover who he is and what he wants for us. Can you give me a handheld, please? Uh, I, I, am, I, am I hearing static or is it, again, just my noise? Okay, let's go with a handheld, if we can do a handheld mic for me. I'll start singing songs and doing that kind of stuff, so. This is my story. This is my song. And that's, we're going to be singing that song 
towards the end, praising my Savior all the day long. And so one of the interesting passages that I'm going to look at, it's one of my favorite passages, and we're going to dive into it, is in 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 19. I think it's on like page close to 300 if you have the Bibles in your row. I am going to have this one on the screen if you have the Bibles on your phone. Go for that. But we're going to be in 1 Kings 19. And this is a fascinating encounter that Elijah has with God. I'm going to start in verse 11. And it says this. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now, to understand what I'm going to be reading here, you actually would have to go back and read uh, chapter, chapter 18, which I'm not going to do right now. But what you can see is Elijah, who's a prophet of God, challenges the prophet of Baal, who's a rival god. And he challenges to this big um, what challenge? He challenges, who's the real God? Is, is Yahweh, is God the real God, or is Baal and the prophets of Baal the real? And so you can read it, but it, this huge thing. And God showed up in a way, in a powerful, powerful way, and displayed his power and displayed his might. And then it wasn't too long later, and you can see it, it picks up in the, in the beginning of chapter 19, that Jezebel, who's up to no good all the time, uh, she then confronts Elijah after this huge spiritual victory, after this huge God showing up on the scene in an incredible way, and essentially says to Elijah, I'm going to figure out a way to get you and bring you down. And you would think Elijah would be like, bring it. He actually runs away. In fact, he goes into clinical depression. How do I know he goes into clinical depression? Because he asked God to take his life, that he's, he's done living. And so he went from this huge spiritual high to this incredible painful situation. And he's desperately looking for God. You ever been in that situation? Desperately looking. God, I need direction. I need guidance. I need clarity. I need healing. I need forgiveness. I need something. Would you just speak? Would you just show? And God starts what only God does. It says this, then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After that, the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came what? A gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and brought your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi. I wish they'd just say Bob and Bill, but whatever, okay. <laughs> we did better as we got, we, we started picking easier, okay. King over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of um, Shaphat from Abel, Meholah to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazel, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 10,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and all whose mouths have not kissed him. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. You see, Elijah is desperately seeking. He's desperately looking and wanting to hear the voice of God. And God doesn't say, good luck with that. Have an above average life. Hope all goes well. God is not aloof. He's not distant. He's not foreign. He's not hidden. He replies. He responds. 
as, simple, as simply as I can say, God speaks. In fact, one of the ways I think we can, can kind of self-analysis our relationship with Jesus is, do we hear from him? When's the last time that you sensed God was telling you to do something? And then the other follow-up question is, when's the last time you sensed God was telling you to do something and you actually did it, okay? I think that's one of the telltale signs or telltale ways we know that we're in a relationship with them. Think about it. If you're in a, say you're in a, in a relationship with someone and you're friends with someone and you know someone, and I ask you, well, when's the last time you talked? And you're like, well, we've never spoken. Like, okay, right? But we do that with our relationship with God. I know God. I, I know him. I follow Jesus. What, do you hear from him? Do you hear and respond? Is, does he speak to you? Because he's not done speaking. Are you listening? So I want to ask you this question before I dive into my, my story, and hopefully some can become part of your story. Do you want God to guide you? Now, the old Sunday school answer to that would be, of course, what? Yes. Yes. Of course I want God to guide me. Well, number one, do, does your life look like that? Because if, if we were to say, well, when's the last time you sensed God ask you to do something? You're like, well, and you tell me a story from like 30 years ago. I'm like, well, that was great, but he's not on a 30-year vacation, or if I was like, okay, yeah, I want God to guide me, but if he asked me to do something that's not in my plans, well, yeah, let's, wait. So don't answer that question too soon, myself included, right? Because if we really mean it, and we really, then we're going to have to obey, right? We're going to have to listen. It was the summer before my eighth grade year of school. I was at a summer camp in Cape May, New Jersey. Uh, if you go any more south in New Jersey, you're in the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, my grandparents, uh, my grandmother's still living, she's 91, they have had a cottage there on a campground, a church campground, and it was a camp meeting, kind of an old school kind of thing, some of you maybe, uh, and they had a tabernacle, which essentially meant it was a building that had no air conditioning. That's what it equates to, okay, in the summer. And I was at, that morning, I just knew that I knew because my heart started beating and my anxiety rose a little bit that that night God wanted me to go forward and give my life to Jesus. I'd grown up in church. I maybe even prayed a prayer when I was younger with my mom, but I don't know, for whatever, it was time to go public. And it wasn't a baptism kind of public. It was time, I just, I'd kind of wandered away as much as a seventh, you know, seventh grader can, but I had. And uh, so that service, I don't remember a word of the sermon, which is incredibly humbling and that's what I do. Uh, and I sat in the second row because I knew I didn't want to walk really far. And I just came up to the altar, you know, and it was back in the day, maybe we should do this again, I don't know, but it was back in the day where you just sang like 85 verses of a song. You just kept coming back. But I, I got up there quick. And I remember my grandpa coming up to pray with me, and I'm not one who wears his emotions on his sleeve. I'm a little more stoic, but I cried the whole time. Just when, when God comes over you sometimes, you just can't help yourself. And I, just cried. and I knew that I knew in that moment I had turned my life over to Jesus, that he had, I had sought his forgiveness for my sin. So maybe that's where your story is today. Maybe that's what you need to do today. 
Maybe you remember that time when God nudged you and said, I, you know a lot about me, or you know some about me, but you don't know me. There's an eternal, and I, I use that word intentionally, there's an eternal difference between knowing about God and knowing him. And so maybe today's the day, maybe you, now, maybe when we respond at the end, you can respond, by the way, anytime to God, because that's just what he wants, that today's the day, whether you're online or here with us physically, that you need to turn your life to Jesus. You see, at some point, every person who's ever lived on this earth lives now or lives in the future will either accept or reject. And I don't care what even some other preaching or, or, or brilliant minds out there, theologians or, or podcaster A, B, or C, or influencer, there is no other way to God except through Jesus. Now, how do I know that? Why do I feel so confident saying it? Because Jesus said it. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, and I know some Greek of the New Testament, which is what the New, I looked it up. No one means no one in English. No one gets to my dad. No one gets into relationship or right relationship with my dad except through me. That's why I said I don't really care what anyone else says. The authority on the topic is Jesus of how salvation works when it comes to how we handle this individually, and it's through Jesus. Fast forward, I'm a senior in high school. I was, I was fortunate enough to have, I don't know if I was athletic, but I, I was decent at sports. I, the athlete part is debatable, but, <laughs> but I played sports and had some success and had some opportunities for college and all that. And my thing was, and I was getting some recruiting in that from schools that would get my name on the front page of the paper, you know, above the fold and all that kind of stuff. And my parents, and it was good, this would be good advice for, I'm going to take for myself. They never like influenced me a lot or said, you need to go here or there. They just prayed. Number one, I was 17 and 18 years old, so I knew everything. So they didn't need to, any input they would give to me. I would just say, I know, I, I'll help you guys. But, um, but prayer, prayers of parents and grandparents that will change, probably a lot of us are products of that and will change generations and change whole countries, frankly. But my mom mentioned to me, she's like, hey, let's go visit this one university in Ohio, Mount Vernon Nazarene University. My uncle's a professor there. They had been recruiting me for baseball for a while. So I was like, fine. I was like, it was like 99th on my list. It was like this Big Ten school or this ACC or whatever, and then this. Um, I, we go there. Uh, they had, he had some uh, students over. He's had pizza and just hung out. That night, I couldn't get to sleep. I couldn't get to sleep because out of nowhere, this excitement came in this super clarity that this was the school I was supposed to get to, go to. Like, I mean, like, I'll be honest, and part of this is, I want you to hear this too. There are a lot of times I have no doubt that I have missed God's voice. <laughs> so I'm going to share stories of, of meeting his voice. I want you to be super clear. I want to be super clear. I've missed it. I've had times where I've heard it, and I've disobeyed it because it was, I didn't want to do it. But I went through the season of some floundering, like maybe too many of us did in high school. And at this moment, it was a defining moment. I knew that I knew that God was saying, go there. And I will be honest, I kind of was like, eh, I still got these other schools that are well-known. So, but eventually I submitted to his will and signed with that school. Fast forward. Oh, I want to, before I do that, God will give you direction. He is so crazy about you and me that the big decisions, which at that age, that's a big decision, right? That's one, that's one of the first big decisions you're making. 
the big decisions of your life, whether it's going to college, to get married, career, etc. You know what I mean by obviously big decisions. Those matter to him. And he wants to guide us and he wants to give us direction. We have this idea sometimes that he's just like trying to just mess with us, just seeing how much we can figure out on our own. That's not how he operates. In fact, I did a search this week on a, a, a um, system I have where I can type in something in scripture to give me all the verses about it. Real quick like that, 100 verses in the Bible that talk about God speaking. From Genesis to Revelation. Behold, I knock at the door and anyone who comes in, I want to enter into with, that's from Revelation. The whole way back to Genesis of him interacting with Adam and Eve in the garden. And then all throughout scripture is a God who is alive and who's active and who wants to speak to his kids. Wants to speak to his sons and he wants to speak to his daughters and he wants to give them, and one of the things is direction. I went into teaching. I was a high school science teacher for about 10 years. First year of teaching, I loved every moment. The first year of teaching is really tough. If you've ever taught, it's re- uh, you know, first year of any job is really tough. But I was teaching five different courses, which was not highly recommended. And I was the head coach of two varsity sports. I was just too stupid to say no. Uh, <laughs> And it was, I mean, I was just working from sunup to sundown. Uh, the basketball team, the baseball team really struggled. And I, I kind of live in that world where second place is first loser. I and mean, that's, my wife said that's stupid. But I, I like to win and we weren't winning. So that was adding stress. Uh, basketball season was insane. I, had a, I saw the Indians the other night, the, or that's the old name, the Guardians, Cleveland team. Um, guy, they sort of put like a hockey game. You see that? Like... I had one of my players throw a punch in a basketball game that I'd go up and throw him over my shoulder and take off the court. It was just a hard year. And I was asking God, get me out of there. I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back. It was January. I was, I was at a farmhouse in January, house sitting for someone. I was praying about that. And all of a sudden, God nudges and says, you are to go back to that school. I was looking at other opportunities. You are to go back. I don't want to. You ever have that when you know you sense God? And I'm going to talk later about how do you hear God's voice because some of you are probably asking that question. Does he speak to you like, you know, James Earl Jones? Yes, he does, Zach. No. <laughs> That'd be so cool. Uh, I've never heard audible, but I'll get to that in a second of how we can. It's like anything. You just got to practice. But I'll, 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 I'll talk to you about that. But there's been so many times when it's not what I want to hear. I wanted to get out. I wanted to go somewhere. And God said, stay. And I did. I ended up obeying, and here's what I've learned. When we obey, it shouldn't be any surprise, but we set up this domino effect of God unleashing his grace in our life. We set up this domino effect. I look back at choosing, of of obeying him to go to Mount Vernon, of obeying him to stay at that school, and I see the blessings, relationship blessings that came out of that, other kind of blessings that came out of that, because he's just good. So almost 10 years in, I'm volunteering at a church. Be careful when you say yes to volunteer, but still say yes to volunteering. And uh, I was helping with the high school ministry. They had come to me and asked, said, hey, we, we think you'd be a great youth pastor. That's great. I'm glad you think that. I don't. <laughs> uh, I, had, I, had, I had my life mapped out. I was eight, uh, almost 10 years into teaching. I had finished my master, I had finished my, my doctorate degree. I was teaching adjunct. I wanted to be a college professor and then a university president. I had my whole goal, that was my whole thing. I was on track, I was 31 and was 
getting pretty close to at least tackling a portion of that. And then one day, they had been talking to me about the position. I said no every time. And because uh, I was, and this was a pride thing. I said, university prof versus youth pastor. I'm like, yeah, and God had to do a work inside before he did a work outside. But um, I was writing a sermon series on faith. And my last week I was writing on on living a life of faith. That was, it was the last week. It was on Joseph living a life of faith. It was July 5th, 2010. I remember the office. I remember a lot of things. And God nudged me again, not the audible voice, but nudged me and said, Mark, you want to see everything before you'll step out and do anything. That's not faith. You want to see everything. You want to see the whole picture. You want to see how it's all going to work out before you, because this was huge. I loved what I did. I was on a pathway professionally, and I, I was really struggling with this because I thought, man, I'm giving up. This could tank, right? This could put me back years. He said, you want to see everything before you'll do something? That's not faith. And in that moment, I knew that I was going to step into ministry. I scared out of my mind. They called me literally like three hours later and said, hey, we, I know we've talked about this a lot. We just want to have one more, com- do you want to have one more com- you know, a conversation about this position? I'm assuming it's still no. I said, well, you wouldn't imagine what happened this morning. <laughs> I think we need to talk because I think some things are changing. As an orphan, so again, you never know what God is going to do. The plans you and I, the scripture says, we determine our plans, God determines the steps. That's in Proverbs. You, it's, I think we should. Wisdom says have some plans, right? Wisdom says have, you know, you know look towards the future, but we got to hold them open-handed. Let God then direct those steps. I thought I was giving up everything. I thought I was setting myself back professionally. Just let God be God. Just trust him. I was at an orphanage in 2011 in Haiti, one year after the earthquake in Port-au-Prince. I was on the second floor. I had a, a toddler hanging on my leg because it's so many, I mean, it was absolute devastation. So many had lost parents. I mean, orphans were, were everywhere, sadly. Toddler hanging on my leg, holding a baby in my arm. I'm, I don't know, in my late 20s, early 30s, single. And God says, I, se- I sense that he's calling me to adopt. I, I, I've learned when it's God and not me because, number one, it, when it just makes sense, it's probably not me. It's probably God. The other is, when I start arguing with myself, you ever been there, start arguing? With what, it's probably not you putting that thing and arguing with yourself. It could be, but probably not. And when it's something that is totally out of my comfort zone or something that just makes no sense, that's kind of the litmus test, by the way. People ask, how do you know it's God and not bad you know, Taco Bell or whatever, okay? Um, like, I don't know, okay? No offense if you like Taco Bell, I do too. But um, that's some of my litmus test of how I start, it catches my antenna anyhow. All right, something's going on here. And so I, I slow down a little bit. And then I just kind of filed that one away. I wasn't going to adopt those kids, obviously, in that moment. I was, I was a single guy, and you can adult, adopt, obviously, single, but... That wasn't going to be my story. So, um, so I just wasn't. And then just God, right? End up meeting this girl, catch her in a moment of weakness when I ask her to marry me. <laughs> Find out that because she listens to God a lot better than I do. And, and a lot earlier, she felt called to adopt as a seventh grader. And we get talking. We hadn't even really talked about that much when we were dating, frankly. And then, some, and then fast forward five years ago, we adopt, you know, uh, Dylan and Zalame. God speaks. You never know what he's going to ask you to do. The other thing I, I want to share with that one is take steps. 
put yourself out there, like that mission trip. I always tell people when you go on a mission trip, just be careful. I came back and God called me to adopt. <laughs> and then they're like, well, I'm not going. No, but when you have, to, you have to go out there. You have to do things. You have to be willing to get out of the comfort zone and into the courageous zone and allow God to speak in some way. There was a season of life, I, I can't remember how many years ago, but maybe you've been there where the enemy just kept bringing up something from my past. And it, and it was one of those where he just kept bringing it back and just weighing me down and beating me, myself up. And I knew I was forgiven, but yeah, you know, you don't have to raise your hand on that one. But, right, you know, just that, he just keeps bringing you back. He's really good. He's really good at hitting rewind and then play, rewind and play, rewind and play. And so it's just, I wasn't sleeping well. It's just, I, you know, you know intellectually, but your heart, you know, you're just all discombobulated. And then I'm, I'm laying on the couch one night watching baseball, which is a very sacred moment. That's usually when God speaks to any of us. Kidding, of course. Um, and God brings to mind from the Apostle Paul, the, the, the church planter Paul, forgetting the past. Forgetting the past and straining for what is ahead. I press on, I press on towards the goal of which God has called me. And in that moment, I knew the creator of the universe was well aware. This is so mind-boggling. It's like, he's so busy. He's got like six billion people and he's got all these other things. The creator of the universe knew what I was going through. And from the top of my head to the soles of my feet in that moment, gone. The guilt, shame, it was gone. I knew it was from the depths of hell and I lived in the forgiveness. I lived in the healing. I lived in the reality of who I was and whose I was. So maybe that's you today. It's something from this morning, something from 30 years ago, you've allowed the enemy to just keep hitting rewind and play, rewind and play. And if you've sought his forgiveness, the cross wasn't just some act. When he was nailed to the cross for our sins, the penalty was paid once and for all. And when we go to Jesus and ask him, he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us our sins, and he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It has been dealt with, it has been done. He says he forgets those as far as the east is from the west. Our minds are finite and we can't handle that, but I'm glad he can. And maybe that's what nudge you need today, that, that, that still small voice we all have the earthquakes of life. We all have the fires of life. We all have the busyness of life. That still small voice today, and I've been praying for that this week, that that still small voice, some of you here today, and you would release once and for all what's holding you back. Listen to the one who loves you, not the one who is trying to take life from you. Listen to the one who wants to give you life. Two more quick uh, illustration or stories. One was... Um, Jess and I, my wife and I, have always believed individually and as a couple that the Old Testament, is, uh, the New Testament is a fulfillment of the Old Testament. Oh, but Jesus said that, actually. Uh, I came not to abolish the law and the prophets, a.k.a. the Old Testament. I came to fulfill it. And so things like, in this example, tithing, that the first 10% we return back to him. It's, it's already his. That's how we've always lived. A couple years ago, when we were expanding, uh, we, we did this thing called All In To Go Out. We asked people to give above and beyond. Just, I just, I don't sell, I don't do, I'm not a salesman or anything. I just say, pray. Whatever God tells you, you do. If he tells you nothing, do nothing. If he prays, so we started praying about that. And we sensed that God was telling us that beyond the first 10%, that we were supposed to give 25% of our income towards this initiative. I'm telling you, God's done that to me a few times. That's the highest percentage he's pulled off. And I'm sure another one's coming But um, with this one. But I said, God, 
I know you're all-knowing and everything, but you are totally in the wrong bank account this time. Like, I, unless I'm typing in my username and password incorrectly, um, the account that I'm checking out does not add the margin as much for a 25 or 35, you know, whatever total. And, uh, but we knew. And he's so good. He's so faithful. He provides. He just provides. We, we finished that campaign and I'm obviously still eating. So, um, right, I mean, we, we don't do without. I got thinking about that story. Um, you know, my grandmother's 91. She, uh, she's been following Jesus for 85 years or so. It's so fun to watch someone who's been following Jesus for decades, hearing his voice and responding. And she's gotten to that place and has been for many years, that place with her luck with Jesus where it's just good. You ever have a relationship? It's just good. You have a relationship with your spouse or with a, a, a sibling or someone. You know what I mean by just good? It's easy. It's not hard. It's not, you're just good. I don't know if that's a deep term. It's just good. You know what I mean. She's just good with Jesus. She's been through him and heard and respond, and she and my grandpa, when he was living, would share stories of, of career changes and generosity and different things. And she, it just, it's so fun to watch. It's a legacy thing. And I've experienced it just in the financial world. God just provides. He can't outgive them. You just can't. I think God's going to call us to try this time, and he's, it's not going to work. He will provide. And so maybe that's what it, maybe today that's an area that he's, you just need to listen. You just need to ask. Remember I said earlier that question, do you want God to guide you? <laughs> right? And we all said, yes, I want God to guide, but something, I don't know. I've discovered he, he likes to make me uncomfortable. He, he really likes for me to give up control. I've discovered this about myself. I like to be in control. I think I'm pretty good at being in control. And then I reflect a little bit and realize I'm horrible at being in control, <laughs> right? He wants you to, to hear and respond to his voice the way we're supposed to. We have to give up control. Last one is this. My story that hopefully is part of your, could be part of your story. I was flying into San Diego. Anyone ever fly into San Diego? You ever fly in a couple of us? Think with San Diego is you go from air to city like that. It's a little creepy. And I was sleeping. It was, it was a flight that had been delayed because I flew through O'Hare, which is just a guaranteed couple-hour delay. Sorry for venting how I feel, but that's usually how it happens to me. And I was late. I was tired. I was sleeping. And as soon as I wake up, flying into, into downtown, if you will, well, it is downtown San Diego, I felt God nudge and say this. Jeff, who was the, the former district superintendent, Jeff's going to resign, and Andy, Pastor Andy, is going to be the next DS. This was back in January, five months ago, whatever. I got thinking, I was like, oh boy, if that all works out the way it sounds, then my job might be picking up quite a bit really soon, because um, I was the emergency successor and all that kind of stuff. And, and so here's how good God is, which by the way, thanks for those, I know the members voting, uh, they didn't get a post out, they'll get that out today or tomorrow, but it was affirmative, actually it was unanimous, so I can only go down from here. Uh, but, um, but I appreciate the confidence, excited for the future and all that stuff, I'm excited. But um, God prepares us for the future, he's so good. I needed five months of preparation. Our family needed to, just in case, things that worked out the way that they ended up working out. I needed to get some ducks in a row in our own life. I needed to get some ducks in a row here and just with expanding responsibilities and all that. 
And I guess I just want to say, maybe, is, are you asking God to show you what you might need to know for the future? God, is there anything you need to be preparing me for now that will get me ready? And he might not tell you exactly what that looks, what that is in the future, but is there anything, God, right now you need me to be doing or you need our family to be doing to be prepared for the future? You see, the reality is that every day you and I hear all kinds of voices, don't we? All kinds of voices. Think about it. You got the voice in your own self-talk. You got the voices of those around you, meaning and meaning people who are well-meaning and those maybe not as well-meaning. You got voices nonstop, right, on social media and in the news. And here's the reality, church. We all hear a lot of voices every day, and it's the voices that you and I follow that will change the trajectory of our life. In fact, it will be the voices that you and I follow that determine our future. What voice or voices are you going to choose to follow? I would highly encourage you to follow the only voice that matters, which is the voice of God. So before we wrap up, I, in every sermon or when I'm teaching people, preaching and that, I always say you have to, you have to um, find what your ob- objections will be. Every sermon's going to have objections. For example, if you can do this, I'd probably prefer you didn't, but you could stand up in a, if you could stand up during the sermon and say, Mark, uh, I object, like in court. Okay? You can see why I'd say, I'd probably encourage you, I'd probably just keep talking, but um, you could do In this case, a couple things that could come up into your mind. One would be, well, Mark, how do how do I hear God's voice? I've, I've never, that could be an object. I've never heard God's voice. What's it sound like? Mark, how do I, how do I hear his voice? Here's, here's what I would say. You, you got to read this. God is revealing himself. So many times he's spoken to me through this. You just need to ask him. One of my prayers, everyday prayers is this. God, would you show me what you need me to hear? Would you reveal whatever it is you need to reveal? Sometimes it's very specific, right? I'm looking for direction or guidance on something. And I say, God, then would you silence the voices in my head and would you silence the voice of the enemy? Amen. Now, if you're like me, sometimes then I pray that prayer and then I go, (laughs) right? Like, I haven't heard them yet. Okay, it's been 30 seconds, right? And I used to be like that because I'm just like, everything's got to be instant, right? Um, what I've learned is I'll jot those prayers down. You know how good he is? You pray those prayers. Sometimes I've forgotten I prayed those prayers, and then out of nowhere, he responds. But I've learned, it seems so elementary, but it's so true. If you actually pray, God, would you speak to me? And would you silence the other voices so I only hear your voice? And we think, like, that's not a good enough prayer, or that's... That's perfect. Because God is good. He's going to answer that. The Bible tells me he's a good daddy, good, good, good gifts to his kids, including answering our prayer like that. He's going to honor that. And maybe that's where you need to start. The other is just like you're already doing, gathering community. There's been so many times when I've gathered, especially when I was sitting where you are, that God showed me something. Just because his spirit's here in this place right now, his spirit's everywhere, of course, but he'll reveal something when we gather corporately. And you just, it needs to, it's just like anything. It just needs consistency. Just start spending time learning his voice. This is how you learn what it sounds like, what it looks like, 
And then just pray and ask him to speak. Another objection you might have is, well, Mark, I'm too busy. I kind of feel more like the earthquake and the fire and all the other things before the still small voice. That's just being honest. I appreciate the honesty. We do. How many times have I missed his voice because I'm going way too fast? I have no idea. Probably way too many. Or I get a nudge, but I just kind of process it for a second, then I'm off to doing the 50 other things on my list. Church, we got to slow down. We got to recalibrate as we go into the fall. If you really want to hear his voice, if you really want to be guided by him, you need a better rhythm. We need better rhythms. John 15 says, attached, if we're not attached to the vine, we can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We need to stay attached to him. Another one, maybe, and this is just being ruthlessly honest, right? You might say, Mark, I'm still in that point where I don't want to be uncomfortable <laughs> and I want to be in control. And here's what I would just encourage you with. Start praying that he would give you courage and start praying that he would soften your heart to become uncomfortable. I need to pray that all the time. I like to be comfortable. I like to be in control. I don't like to get out of my comfort zone. But I've realized that I can't do what he's called me to do if I cling to that too much. Bill Bright, Bill Bright, Dr. Bright, as we close, Dr. Bright, uh, big, big man, physically big man, um, started Campus Crusade for Christ. If you've ever heard of Campus Crusade, uh, you know, it's a national organization. And this gentleman recounts this story. He, he spent the summer going to different Christian leaders, some of the most well-known Christian leaders, and he would interview them. He'd just ask them a few questions. And he shares that one day he went to interview Dr. Bright. And he shows up in Dr. Bright's office, and Dr. Bright, this big, burly man, sitting behind this huge desk. And he asked him the question. His first question was the same question he asked every other Christian leader. And his question was this. What does Jesus mean to you? Dr. Bright, what does Jesus mean to you? And as the interviewer shares this story, he said, in that moment, behind this big desk, and this big, burly man, who had a huge boom in ministry, Dr. Bright looked up from his desk and the tears started coming down his face. And the tears just kept coming down. And he didn't even say a word. That story, I've, I've read it many times, I've shared it many times, and every time I get goosebumps. Because that's, that's one of my prayers, that I would have such a relationship with Jesus that at some point when someone asked me, what does Jesus mean to you? Out of the fullness in, of my heart, out of the, the rehashing real quick of going back and seeing the times he's spoken and the response and his faithfulness and his forgiveness and his goodness and his grace, my heart would be so full, filled with gratitude and love that that would be the response. Church, I believe that if we really got serious about hearing and responding, it would be game changer. Imagine if we were a church that people just heard and responded to what Jesus said, that we would live a life of obedience. What if that's what it was marked by? That's really the only, that is God's metric of success, by the way. It's not the American dream. It's are you hearing from him and are you responding? Because he's speaking. He's speaking all the time. And he wants to speak to you, and he wants to speak to me. A couple of weeks ago, I was just thinking through this series coming up. This is my story. And the song that kept coming back to me, it's an older school song. 
This is, I'm not going to sing it, but this is my story. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. The actual name of the song is Blessed Assurance. Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Then it goes into the chorus. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. It's the last Sunday when Graham, and Grammy did a fantastic job. When Graham tagged that on to that song, I was like, oh yeah. I messaged uh, Shelly first thing Monday, and I was like, I want to respond with that song. It's an older school song. That's okay. The words are true. It doesn't matter. And I want to open this up for a response, as we always do. And I'm going to pray, and the band's going to come up while I'm praying, and they're going to lead us in that song. This is my story. What if that was your story? This is my song, praising my Savior, the Savior who speaks to me, the Savior who is crazy about me, and every matter, every detail of my life matters to him, praising my Savior all the day long, to the point where at the name, at the mention of his name, the heart swells and the tears come. Maybe today is a day to cross that line of faith, back to my story, the day of salvation. Maybe it's a day when I got that direction of college. Maybe today's where he starts speaking, or maybe you start asking him for direction. Maybe today, as I said, is the day that the past is forgotten and forgiven. Maybe today is when you start the process. God, what do you want to prepare? What do I need to be doing now to prepare for what you want to do? Would you pray with me? Father, in these next moments, we just open up our hearts, we open up our minds, and we do pray that prayer. Father, would you silence the voices in our head? Would you silence the voice of the enemy who would want to take life from us and distract us? And God, I just ask that in these next moments, each of us, in our own unique way, would hear from you. Maybe it's a word in the song. Maybe in this example from my story that relates to their story. But that you would meet us wherever we are with whatever we need. Come Holy Spirit. Come still small voice and speak to your kids. And we pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app to stay connected with all things the Valley. And if today's message impacted you, share it with a friend. Because changed lives, changed lives.